Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. I read that Elon Musk um, is intending to colonize Mars in within the next 10 years. And he is concerned about population collapse um, based on kind of birth rates and what's the trend um, right now. So he's concerned that we're not going to have enough people on Earth, let alone enough people to go to Mars. And so he kind of criticized a study that was done in the UK about population projections, mm-hmm. saying that it was that the population was going to uh, here on Earth was going to, um, you know, really just get bigger and. He thinks that's that's not accurate. So I guess I was thinking that, you know, about population and what does that look like if he if he's right? And also, you know, if you had the chance to be the like one of the first people to live on Mars, would you do it? That's interesting. Do you know why he wants to go to Mars? Like, is it just because he can? I feel like a lot of things he does is <laughs> like, I, I want a, a, you know, a rocket launcher because I can. But uh, is there like a, a reason, like he's concerned of resources wearing, going out here or anything, or is he just wants to that's go That's the cover Mars? story. It's like, oh yet. no, humans better start exploring. He's bored. <laughs> he's he's bored. bored. He's yeah. like, He's like, I went up in space, next step, the moon, in 10 years, we'll get to Mars. Just going to yeah. build better rocket ships. I don't ships. know why. I, I don't know if it'd be enjoyable. I think it just goes back to this world is so interconnected. There's so many things that are designed for us to flourish here, here, because I believe it was designed that to try to go somewhere else, which I believe that God made these planets and these stars for us to enjoy and to look at and explore and learn about, but not to live. And man, I just keep on learning more and more about how so many things are interconnected. How do you how many things do you have to bring with you to Mars to make that function? Right. So I don't know if I'd be that excited. It would fe- feel like a long trip to nowhere, I guess, is that what it would feel like? Uh, cramped in a rocket, and then you get there, and you have to find a way to reproduce all the things that make us able to live here on Earth at a place we're not designed to live. I don't know. What do you think? Do you want to go to Mars? No. I think <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, fe- I feel like it would be really inorganic. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like you said, like our even our ecosystems here and everything, like, that's why you can't bring, you know, animals and plants from other countries, you know, to the United States because it just kind of, right, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't the rules against that because it kind of just messes up the the natural order of mm-hmm. what's going on. And so I, I think that to go to Mars would be really just forcing it. What do you think, Matt? You going to Mars? Um, I don't think I'd go. I don't really like traveling that much. <laughs> this um, would be a big trip. This is a big trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like... It'd be, you know, if it could be like, it could be like two days, you know, spend one night there and come back. I don't have a problem ethically with like people living on Mars. And I think it's definitely possible because like, I mean, we, people are working on building like, like you can build like a self-contained ecosystem here on earth. All you have to do is pick that up and transplant it to on a different planet like i don't know why you would though that's the thing it's like that's a tremendous amount of effort and like the first like couple of decades are just people going to be like trial and error like trying to figure out is this a good idea is this the smartest way to do this and it's like 
why i'm not yeah. the pioneering type i don't know <laughs> it's not like yeah my i don't i'm not concerned about overpopulation on earth by any means like people have a tendency to just wipe each other out when they get too close to each other so or a pandemic hits and yeah oh, man i i just well I, first of all elon musk has done just some incredible things i don't know i don't obviously don't own a tesla but been in a tesla and the things that he has you know invented and and pioneered are are pretty incredible but man he just takes these ideas to the next level and it's bizarre i mean i think the whole idea of of space travel it's more of we we want this because we can do this and the the thought that we actually have control and we can set up life in another planet um i just wonder if his success you get to that point of of arrogance where you think you actually can control um life in another place i just think there's so many things that that uh that that you would need to actually pull that off but maybe he could it helps to be filthy rich yeah that's right (laughs) that's right that helps is the population of earth going down is that what he's he, suggesting? He's suggesting that the the uh, rate of reproduction is is declining, and I, I I think that what I read was the figure used to be a family, ha- you know, or, or a woman would give birth to an average of like four kids, and now it's at like two, roughly, mm-hmm. give or take a few tenths of that. But um, so that's what he's suggesting that birth rates are going down, and mm. I guess you know. What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, yeah. just even you know, Mars aside, what does that mean for Earth? Yeah. If if that's the case. So I, I was mentioning before, there's a, a book written that was called "What What to Expect When the World's Not Expecting," and the premise of the book was um, that it's not a good thing that population, you know, this idea that you know we've been saying this for decades. Oh, we're overpopulated, or we're not. We can't. There's no food. There's there's no food yeah. or we're not going to do this. Be able to handle this, and and. Every time we see how abundant the resources are on this earth, uh, and it's it showed in the book that nations that had a higher religious um, faith had a higher population growth, and he kind of made this assumption or, or had this thesis that you were it was about serving the next generation is about living for something greater it was about hope that you believe that things are designed and that you had hope in the ne- in the future if you don't have hope in the future I, I just wonder you know why are people not having more kids that's a whole nother question i mean is it because they don't have hope f- to bring kids into this world um is there a level of selfishness like you know, I have a dog. I'd, sometimes you'd rather like have an animal that will, you know, dote o- over you because children are, are hard and, and families are hard and it's expensive and it, and it takes more from us. So these are some of the things that he um, brought up in this book. And, and so I, I and then the consequences of that, if, if you don't have uh, steady population growth, who takes care of the older generation when 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 they can't take care of themselves? Where is the economic engine to take care of them? Um, and I think we have to be thinking about that as the baby boomers are are getting to those ages. So I don't think we should go to Mars for lots of reasons, but yeah, maybe that's one of them too. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's shrugging. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. It seems like this seems like why even bother to worry about it at this point? Yeah. I do think that, you know, a different worldview, right? That um, if you don't think this world is designed, 
if 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 this world just happened to be here and you know any planet would do we'll just have to f- make it work um that's a whole different way to look at things instead of uh god designing all of the billions of stars and the planets and then this unique corner of the universe for life creating you know resources and energy and and sun and nutrients and and all the the life producing life so, uh, you know, things that sustain life. If you don't have that perspective, well, then, yeah, maybe we should, you know, look for extraterrestrials. We should look for aliens. We should look for other places. If you, if you, and I think that's coming up in a lot of the literature too, this whole idea of a multiverse, the whole idea that maybe there's other worlds and maybe there's other places out there with life because it, it is all an accident here. So why couldn't an accident happen over there? But the reality, we haven't found anything close to life anywhere in the corners of all of our exploring, which, again, just points back to the idea, I think, of the biblical worldview. So I don't know what you guys think about that. That's pretty heavy stuff. Are you talking about, oh, man, I think the the multiverse theory comes out of, like... Like the like, are you talking about in relationship with like quantum physics and like probability and that sort of thing? Yes, and and that and that's all. It's almost become a, a religious idea where there's a in the multiple potential universes that are out there. This one seemed to to work, but there's probably multiple other universes out there. And, and yeah, because of uh, theories of probability, but then it's also kind of turned into. Now it's in Spider-Man and the Marvel movies and um, and almost has this kind of religious idea of what what's going on in these other potential universes um, because it's all random chance. So why couldn't have that the probability mm. of it happening somewhere else? Uh, it just for me, it just goes to show like people will believe almost anything except for the Bible. I, I uh because there's there's no evidence of any of that anywhere. Um, That's not entirely true. The I'm sorry, it's it's too go early ahead. to be talking about yeah physics. But um, wake up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, essentially, there's like there's like some there's like been some some studies and some um, experiments done, and they have to conclude like things that. Uh, to make it really simple, I guess, things that should have an equal probability, like, don't. And so that's a really, really simplified version of it. But it's like, maybe it, maybe the two outcomes did happen, um, but they happened on diff- in different universes or something like that. Where, yeah, like... We're- sure, this is, it's all theory, though. There's no... I mean, for, for so much to talk of physical visual see touch smell evidence mm-hmm. there's none of that uh these are all potential theories um i guess that's i mean obviously i'm not smart enough to understand quantum physics but yeah me neither <laughs> i just think uh how long we will go the lengths we will go to try to find another reason for the miracle of life, like the miracle mm. of this world, that we are in the perfect distance from the sun, the perfect tilt of our axis, 
the, the amount of resources that work perfectly with a very complex body that that's, yeah. I mean, I went to our doctor yesterday and she was talking about the, really the hundreds of different things that happen uh, to protect our, our bodies every day from viruses and, and, and all the different systems that are working together. I mean, just the complexity of it. It's a miracle. Um, and to, instead of seeing that as a miracle and seeing the design and worshiping the designer, uh, there just seems to be such a, a, a rejection of, of something that, that, for me, that seems... We see it everywhere else. If we, we look at these microphones, we look at our phone, we see design in these things, and or even the Elon Musk's uh, his his Tesla, and we look at marvel at the things that he was able to create and and wonder at the brain behind that. I just wish we would do the same thing as we look at the uniqueness of creation. Mm. So, do you think people are like <clears throat> like especially like fans of these like uh, movies and stuff? Do you think that people are really hungry for? for the multiple dimensions type stuff you yeah think people i think really I, get into that because they are thinking along the lines of that's how they were created or something like that yeah i do th- i do i think it's a religious desire of of trying to figure out why am i here how did i get here also um i screwed up a lot of things in this world maybe there's another universe where i'm not Mm. such a mess you know another a way of redemption Mm. i think there's uh even the most maybe we could talk about this on a future podcast even the most recent marvel movie or tv show eternals i'm it's very religious bent so as much as we want to keep pushing religion out of it and just talk about science it's funny how kind of science uh Mm. starts having these trying to answer these religious questions like why am i here how did I get here? What is my purpose? Uh, what do I do about all these failings I have in my life? Um, and I feel like this multiverse is trying to um, answer some of those deep religious questions. And that curiosity and desire to know, I mean, that's designed too, right? Like, I, I, I mean, so. yeah. Like, yeah. Ecclesiastes says that he has put eternity in our hearts. Um, yeah, Paul talks about how, you know, this natural knowledge of God that we're all seeking for him. Um, yeah, that, that, that we want to know uh, that, that his, you know, we want to know these questions. I think that's definitely part of who we are. Yeah. So that's anything else on Mars, Elon Musk, and... Count me out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. I'd, see how... It, send, it. <laughs> send me a postcard, right? Yeah. <laughs> well... The thing that I really want to talk about today is um, about technology. Uh, you know, after we've gone through this pandemic, whether you were into digital ministry or not, everyone's kind of forced to do live stream at some level, do something to reach your people. And that has led to lots of questions like, what else should we be doing? And can we be doing this? And was this a good thing? Um, and, it's, you know, we have our digital director here, Matt, you, you do all things visual and digital uh, to make sure we can do this. Now, there's new technology. You, you know, Facebook is no longer Facebook. They're meta, and they're putting in billions, I think I heard $11 billion a year in putting together a metaverse of where, where you can go into this digital world uh, with um, virtual reality, basically. You can buy real estate in this world, and you can basically live in a virtual world. Um, 
And now the question is, do churches buy real estate in this digital world? And then you wake up on Sunday morning and you put on your VR goggles and you walk in your virtual world. It's very similar to um, the book that came out, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, maybe less, Ready Player One was also a, a movie where basically the whole story was everybody's living in trailer parks that are stacked on each other, kind of dystopian future. Uh, and they spend their whole day in the oasis, which is the virtual world. They go to church there. They they do all their work there. They interact with people there, with other people's uh, avatars, and uh, they never leave their, their house. So I don't know, as you guys think about what we've experienced, what do you think has been the blessings or the curses, the good and the bad of so far live streaming, digital worship, all these kinds of things we've been doing digitally? I mean, podcasting, all these things. What are the blessings and curses of of doing ministry digitally? What do you guys think? Hmm. Well, I guess we were talking about this the other day that... um, one, I mean, it's it's hard. It's really difficult to make to bring the same level of engagement to people online that that they would get in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I but I don't think that we have a choice. Yeah, I think if you're trying to reach people, you have to reach them online because that's where they are, mm-hmm. and you can't you can't demand that they come out to your building. Um, because they don't want to, <laughs> or they or they can't. Or I they mean, can't. you know, you yep. think about people who, you know, shut-ins or maybe yeah. the elderly or, um, you know, people with physical limitations or whatever. So, and then you think about uh, also at the same time the pandemic was 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 happening. I, I know a lot of our ministries in Asia were the, the government was really cracking down on any kind of missionary work. And so they had to go digital, not just because of the pandemic, but because of um, a government, yeah, stopping stopping any kind of missionary work. And so they did so much of their work from other spots and and basically connected with their people. I think there's a lot of blessings um, reaching people over the world. I know our ministry in Latin America, I mean, have millions of followers on our Facebook page, which leads them into online training which then eventually leads them into classes online and then after they go through this whole big uh, kind of funnel then eventually we get boots on the ground and send a missionary to a location and to do some on-site training but the whole first nine-tenths of the process to really serve these people is online so I think there's a ton of blessings Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know any any other ones that you see as is really potential blessings well i mean i think you covered it the fact is that people can still worship together they can Mm -hmm. still pray together they can still study the bible together and you don't have to schedule a drive i mean you can just go into your computer and do it and from all over too yeah you know distance isn't a thing yeah and you can talk to people on the other side of the world too right i mean that's huge I'm going to be doing a uh, keynote for a conference of the missionaries all over Asia uh, at the end of the month. And I'll be in my house and I'll be talking to people, (laughs) I don't know, 30 plus missionaries that are are really all over the place. I just think, yeah, it's just, it's pretty amazing. I I mean, then you kind of know where I'm going with this then too, but like, are there some things that we've learned that like, oh, that we're missing something or uh, that's 
that's not good or are there any downfalls uh, that pitfalls when it comes to this kind of work? I think some of it depends on um, like if you were a person who was going physically going mm. to church and you were kind of used to that, you were mm -hmm. used to the camaraderie, the the vibe, the singing, the whatever. Um, and then, you know, I kind of hear from people who, who had been physically going to church in this switch to, you know, the digital, they don't feel like it's the same, mm -hmm. but maybe if you're somebody who wasn't physically mm -hmm. going to church and now you're doing digital, you might not really be able to tell mm -hmm. the difference or okay. it might, you know, just feel normal to you to be doing that. So not that that's a blessing or a curse. It's just, you know, just observation about habits of people mm -hmm. and their experiences i think a lot of it i mean is like like when you're when you're young and you're like in like this like children's theater or whatever and then your parents like want to videotape it so then you they're just like up there with their phone and you watch it later and it's just like this is horrible <laughs> i can't hear i can't see everyone's just like a tiny dot down there and it's like it's like it's completely different Mm -hmm. And like if I'm watching the service online and I get an email, what's to stop me from like, oh, just going to scroll over there and, and look at that, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, it's, and I mean, are people like if you're alone in your house, are you still singing along? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think I would. Like mm -hmm. if I just get, am I just in my room like singing with the words? I'm like, no, I'll just watch it, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just not the same. There's the participation, the live experience is kind of ruined. Yeah. I think about how the New Testament was written, and basically the whole New Testament are letters. Even the Gospels seem to be letters written to people, uh, especially the book of Luke, written to Theophilus. So they were using the technology of the day uh, to write letters to people that were not in person. So Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and so he's and he's writing from jail to the Philippians, th these churches that he started. And so uh, he's not there in person, and yet he's ministering them from prison. And yet when they would get these letters, they would still read them in a congregation with a group of people. I guess, uh, and, and then you think about the Reformation 500 years ago, the Bible being translated into German by Martin Luther and then all of his writings really leading a, a rediscovery of the gospel would not have happened without the technology of the Gutenberg Press. I mean, the, the, the fact that they could copy things so quickly and, and you could get things for so cheap. Uh, people say, you know, Martin Luther would not have been Martin Luther if it wasn't for the printing press. And, and also now people are making that same comparison with, you know, let's embrace the technology of the day uh, and so I, I want to be open-minded to it. I guess I'm really bringing the question because I just have a lot of hesitation because I just wonder about what church is actually for. And I don't know if we always do a great job here at Victory for whatever reason. I think the culture uh, in Milwaukee, we're just so spread out and we already have so many of our own little groups that coming to church isn't necessarily our group, our all the time, like these are my family. In smaller congregations, you know, like the church that you grew up, in Nodine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that was their family, right? Like those people knew what they were doing every they, day of the they week. They still do. Yeah, right? And and um, and so digital church would just seem, I, I would wonder, would seem very foreign to the 
people in those communities, right? Uh Because church was a place where you would get together, you'd take the sacrament together, you'd serve one another, you'd find out who has problems going on right now in their life and who needs, you know, a meal, who needs, uh, who needs something. So it might not make as much sense how our culture here in Milwaukee but I do wonder if we're losing what church is for, that church is not just for me getting information. I could get that from a podcast. I can get that from a video. It's not just getting content. It's about uh, building community. And, and I don't know, I guess you can do that online, but is it is the same? Well, what you just said there, um, it's kind of what Bill and I were talking about, is it's not just live streaming, but to actually build an online congregation yeah. And I don't know how to do that. We're still trying to figure that out, but that's what you have to do is if people if that's how they're if that's how they're quote unquote watching church, if that's how they're if that's how they're viewing the service, mm-hmm. then that's that's their interaction with church, then that that's the congregation they're in. They're not even really in the same congregation as people who are always in person because they, they you don't see them. To right. the, to you they're just people on the screen that fill up chairs. And then you think, oh, well, that church is pretty popular. It's full of people or something like that. But you don't know any of those people or you don't interact with them. I think that's been the hardest part about being a pastor is, you know, got into this to know the people and in the council and help and serve and visit. And and when it's people who are all literally, I mean, we have people who who attend worship online from every state in our United States and from you know, it was 11 countries or something like that. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know them, so it's hard for me to think of being a pastor. Usually, has sheep, or pastor, you know, as a shepherd mm-hmm. and watching over people and, and and being there for people. And I, so I feel like I'm learning. All right, it's got to figure out new skills, have a different w- mindset to look at it. Um, so maybe this is just my own hangups, is what I pictured church and leading to look like. So as we go into, so do you guys think bringing on meta church? Let's let's do it all let's 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 buy some real estate in the digital virtual reality world and let's buy some goggles for people and i want to know so do you think that facebook is going to be the one like who are you buying this real estate from yeah, what does that mean in exactly? theory there's unlimited real estate right so there's just going to be a company out there that controls the metaverse making bank on digital real estate i think it's similar you know i'm not an expert but it's similar to bitcoin where it's uh it's digital code, and so you have a you, you do. That's kind of what Bitcoin has done. It's made digital, uh, digital money hard because it's it it's it's a code, and you can't you can't reproduce this code. It 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 is what it is, and there's only a certain number of Bitcoin out there, and that's what they want to do. I think building this metaverse is that you um, you have a certain number of real estate you can't expand it forever hmm. that you have a, a fixed number because yeah you have to put limits or else there's going to be no value um and then yeah what you know i don't understand it all obviously but you just think of it like this grid that you you can buy and you can walk into like a video game and and that's where you can you know interact it's it's a it's an online city that's got fixed limits that you that you would yeah purchase land and that you would do all the things we do in our normal world, but you do it digitally. And who's controlling this? It just feels so, <laughs> it just feels so nebulous. Yeah. It's just yeah. Like wh- wh- what are the boundaries? Who's yeah. 
who's selling who's i mean how does this work these are like the capitalist overlords of like yeah, right. dystopia it's elon musk <laughs> <laughs> elon that's why he doesn't want to go to mars he's yeah. like wait no i have a better idea i've got a better idea <laughs> <laughs> i i think that's what cryptocurrency is doing is that it's becoming decentralized that it's not supposed to be because it's it, the code is supposed to guard itself and 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 watch for itself it's not centrally guarded um and that's that's the idea i don't know all those things but i guess from a pastoral point like do you think this technology and and doing worship this way and living in this is is it good for us to live in this other universe i mean it's kind of like yeah you could either fly to mars or you could just put on your goggles it's not living in reality though it's not living on i don't know well, at a certain point, that's the difference. Like, if everybody's doing it, then that's probably closer to reality than, like, going outside and smelling the roses. Sure. Whatever's left of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my concern, and, 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 you know, I think everybody's concerned when a new technology comes, like, well, what is the car going to do to our relationships? You know, we're just going to travel so much, we're not going to be around our neighbors and those things. So everybody's always been concerned about new technology people were concerned when electricity started uh coming out instead of you know kerosene lamps because everyone's going to get electrocuted right so maybe i'm my concerns will as time goes on you know people will i was concerned when the phone came out that you know we're we're just going to be glued to these phones um cell phones not like yeah right that's right that's right not, not the landlines that's right that's right the rotary phone yeah that would take you by surprise but i do like i do concern that like if you live in this other world where you can make an avatar to be whatever you want to be you know and and you and then it's just going to it's you know take what whatever Instagram, social media, you know, selfies and, and airbrushing ourselves does right now and take that to a whole nother level. Um, is it going to lead us to love one another? Is it going to lead us to serve one another? Is it going to lead us to uh, be thankful for the things that we have? Uh, or is it going to just make us more self-absorbed and, you know, detached from reality? So I guess those are some of my concerns. I don't know. I guess time will tell. It's going to happen. I mean, and if Facebook has changed their name and they put $11 billion a year into this, it's going to happen. Ben, you're shaking the table. Sorry. Is it, I mean, is it, you think it's really going to be that extreme? What to the mean? point, like, like with the Ready Player One, you know, example where like, we're all just sitting in our pods and then like put on our <laughs> well like maybe not nutrients that like IV yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean you've got to eat right you can't you can't physically satisfy your your physical needs well let's say it's for food let's say it is two air. hours a day or three hours a day is that and then one hour on Sunday this is where church happens and then and then or that's where work happens you know like if you have a Right now, if you have a digital job where you're interacting with people, or international job, you have a meeting and you put on your goggles and you go into that meeting, then you have a meeting with people. And then you go in there and you, I, you know, I've heard of, you know, you need your car fixed. And so you, you go in, you put these goggles on and a mechanic shows you how to do this uh, in, in the metaverse or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, let's say it's three, four hours a day. Maybe it's not 12 hours a day, but you know, I know people play 12 hours of video games a day. Um, whether it's extreme or not, um, is there any cautions you think that we should have with this? I mean, I, th- I would think you'd want to put limits on it. I don't think you'd want to be on there all day. I think the question is like, if once we get to that point, you think the government's going to be like, we recognize this isn't healthy. Cause like even Facebook has been being like, yeah, being on Facebook isn't good for you. Yeah. You know? Well, that's kind of in this book, Ready Player One, which I, it's a great book. Um, that's kind of how it ends. They just say, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't be in the Oasis all day long. And, and that's kind of the conclusion. Um, it's really, it's it's worth the read because I think it is kind of where things are going. Um, I also wonder about fulfillment. Like if you have no... T- we just finished doing our bathroom and man, like actually seeing physical change and, and changing things in our house and the the feeling of meaning and purpose of doing something that mattered. I just wonder how people's mental health is going to be when they're in this world where they're actually not making real things. They're not actually doing real things. How do you have a sense of meaning and purpose uh, that you're actually doing anything that matters? Uh, so I, I'm concerned about the mental health stuff too. So I think to, we physically need people. I mean, yeah. isn't there something about just being in a room with other people? Yeah. You just feel energy. Like there's just it's no. <laughs> I know how much you love people, Matt. And maybe this goes to your. You know, you want to talk a little bit about anxiety, mm-hmm. Matt. So I don't. know, Does this kind of dovetail into that? Sure. I was just gonna say. I think what's gonna happen is you're gonna end up being an old person on a park bench. And you're just, I remember when people got out and talked to each other. <laughs> and now you darn kids are on those I'm already VR like headsets. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm already like that. This is this is how that's going to happen. Oh, I, we didn't even write it down. That's okay. I have you guys ever? What was that movie? Um, where the little robots in the future on the piles of garbage? Wally. Wally. Yeah. Do I haven't you, seen it. Wally, like he pictures the future, like we're all on these mm-hmm. little couches in front of these screens. And that's mm. all we do, and we're all we're pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. So yeah. All right. What were you, what do you want to talk about, Matt? So my question is about anxiety. Um, how do you handle anxiety, and then how do you handle people who have to handle anxiety? Because I feel like I've had friends. I've talked to friends before, and I I gather that they're generally anxious, and. To me, it's like I I don't think of myself as a generally anxious person. Like I will get anxious um, from time to time about a specific thing. Like here at church, like if it's before Christmas, it's like, oh, there's a lot to do. Okay, so I'm I'm nervous. I'm making sure that it goes well. And I and I can think to myself, you know, what I should be doing is drinking more water and getting more sleep. But I'm anxious, you know, so that your brain's your brain's fighting itself there. And then Christmas comes and Christmas goes and I feel fine. And it's like, I talk to people and it's like, I get the sense that you are generally anxious. Like I don't know why you don't know why. Mm. You're just, are you're scared of like what the whole world? Like, I don't understand. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. I don't consider myself to be an anxious person. So, but unless, you know, like you said, just, you know, on occasion when, when there's a good reason maybe to be anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like I've got friends who are anxious 
and I, I, I don't understand it. And I, I don't really have any close friends who are anxious. Mm. <laughs> That's good. That. And I think I, <laughs> it's, it's hard to be, like, not to be rude. It's hard to be around because it's, it's like, I do not understand. I like, I don't understand what you're going through. I'm not going to pretend to understand because I don't, you know, to me, it's just like, well, what are you anxious about? Because like, I can help you talk. I can help talk you through it. Cause that's what I would do to myself, you know, but I like, you're just nerd. I don't what, like what, you know, yeah. what are you scared of? So, uh, Jean Tweed, I think is how you say her last name. She wrote the book iGen, uh, and she kind of documented, um, that general anxiety and depression spiked in 2011 like crazy spike like it was like this like it was going up at, for teens especially but then all of a sudden like through the roof hmm. and she said you know all right what what happened and it was 2000 is it 2008 or 2009 where iphone facebook and twitter went public new i first iphone came out and 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 facebook left the college campuses all in that same year and then 2011 was when it hit the general population um, you know, I don't want to blame it all on that, but I don't think it's good for us. I was, I was speaking with my counselor uh, a while ago, this was months ago, and she was just saying, you know, I think most of our problems are neuroticism that we're always so self-obsessed. We're, we're always looking at ourselves, thinking of ourselves, how am I doing? What am I doing? What, what can I do? What did I do before? How am I, how am I being perceived? And just so self-obsessed, um, and all these devices, we're putting ourselves out there over and over again, waiting for somebody to respond to it. Uh, there's not really an internal gauge that I'm okay with myself of who I am. I have to always wait for somebody to approve it, like it, you know, uh, respond to it. So I think there's quite a few things that that are leading because. I don't know, you know, when you have this kind of spike in general anxiety, it's it's not just like this just happened. There has to be some sort of cause. There has to be a cause for why we're doing that. It has so I, that's what she says the cause is. Mm. So not enough extra, like you not hugged enough as a child is what you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> no, but a sense of I'm doing things for other people, getting outside of your head. You know, just. Going and doing mm -hmm. your job, purpose, having some purpose, putting down that self-reflective, always mm -hmm. checking up on myself. How are other people perceive me? How many likes do I have? How many, how much approval do I have? And then if somebody doesn't approve, um, how devastating that can be. And it's perceived. And you're like, they saw my post, but they didn't like it or they didn't comment on it, and and all these different things that I can. That I, and then on top of that, you know, you just have access to all sorts of news all the time of everything that's going wrong in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also part of it. But I think that, I mean, how are we not anxious if that's really your world, if you're really waiting for everybody's approval and you're not getting it and there's potentially a lot of approval out there or other people are getting a lot of approval and you're not? Well, I, okay, but I, I would agree. But it, I don't see a, I don't see a line between there's not like a these people are on social media more okay and they're really anxious and these people are barely on social media and they're they've got it all together mm -hmm. like to, i have a mix of everybody in both camps that i know of anyway yeah and so 
I'm just wondering where does <clears throat> maybe that exacerbates the problem, but where does that start? I, I also wonder too. Um, I, there's a pastor who, who's a campus pastor at a local college, and he said every year kids are having more and more anxiety. And, and I was talking to another professor who in our seminary, and he says, you know, I've referred way more people to counseling now than I ever have. I think some of it too, um, some people have pointed to kind of helicopter parenting where where we, we have not let, because, you know, and I do this too, we, we know all the potential dangers out there now. We don't let our kids try things and they don't fail and try at a young age. And so they, I, I thought it was really interesting, you know, when I was 15, I couldn't wait to turn 16 because I was going to get my license on the day. And I noticed this about five, six years ago, like talked to teens, many of them have no desire to get a driver's license. Mm. Their parents take them everywhere. And, mm. and, uh, and, and so that idea of, I want independence, I want to do things on my own. I want to fail. Uh, we just don't even know how to fail anymore. And so any type of failure is just devastating. So I don't know, that could be one idea too, uh, uh, the general, you know, this not, not building up a resiliency, not trying things and failing. Uh, and so everything seems devastating. And then you throw a pandemic in there. I mean, and it is a destabilized world. We, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We, you know, you think about, I mean, think about people your age, what is the economy going to look like? I mean, there's just so many things that, that could potentially lead to that general anxiety. Um, and I was thinking what you said about, um, oh, hang on. I just lost it. This is real bad. <laughs> Got to do more crossword puzzles. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it! That's all right. What do you think, Annie? Is any of this resonating with you, or do you think there's another reason why there's some general anxiety, or no? I think your points are good. I wonder if it's biologic, you know, if it's biology. Mm -hmm. if, you know, it's at some level um, for some people. You know, exacerbated by maybe the the nurture. Mm -hmm piece of it i don't i don't really know they're constantly in fight or flight mode mm -hmm. because they're just weaker genes <laughs> is that what you're saying don't insult the anxious people biology is that what you're saying uh, well i mean i i wonder if it's partly that um oh, i just forgot it. or kind of where people get yeah it's i don't want to call it paranoia but like yeah like oh you you looked at me the wrong way or or you didn't respond to my text or it's like, well, I was, I was busy, right. you know, like it's going to be okay. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean I hate you. Right. Um, constant need for reassurance and validation. I remembered what I was going to say. All right. Um, Here we go. <laughs> um, like Better be good. With posting things on the internet. Cause yeah. like, I don't know. I remember like, I, I didn't get a, like a, I didn't get a phone. Mm -hmm. I had like an, I had like an iPod an ipod touch i think so i could like still text my friends but i didn't yeah. have a phone until i was a senior in high school yeah because my parents didn't buy me one yeah so i just bought the cheapest thing i could and then i didn't have facebook until like three four years ago mm -hmm. and i think maybe for a lot of people like if you fail and and it's in a video that's just up forever yeah anyone can find that and you're going to be known by that that bit of failure yeah and we've already kind of seen that, um, no, you don't get forgiven. You know, certain sins are not forgivable once sure. they're on the internet. Sure. Like you say this or that, or you do this or that, and you're kind of cooked for life. 
And so I think maybe that's part of it too. Is there not only not only do you have to appear perfect, but there's yeah. you have to like really avoid certain things, yeah. you know, and that that really really screws with your mind. You don't get to experiment. I don't know all the reasons why there is the general anxiety. I don't think it's just biological because it's kind of like it can't be just biological that we have all these allergies. Like all of a sudden we have a huge spike in allergies. What have we been doing to the environment? Something is going on. And, and so I, I think that's the same thing here. Something has happened. There is a cause for this, not in every case. And maybe some cases are more biological. You know, some people are just more nervous and restless and that, 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 that makes sense, but that it's this cascading problem and it's, it's, it's all over the place. So, what do you do about it? I do feel like getting away from the desire, like having some self-awareness and recognizing, all right, I'm mind reading right now. I'm, I'm perceiving that I send something out there on a text and and now I'm mind reading that you're looking at that text and you're intentionally not responding to my text or my post or my whatever because you have these and we make up these things in our mm-hmm. brain on that uh, because I think we don't just have a general sense of purpose in our life and value for ourselves and I think for each person you know your friends who are really anxious if they could see that you can do things uh, you can fail you do have a purpose here uh, you do have a God who created you and designed you. You are forgiven. He does have a, a, and then actually go and do something. Go do something with your life. Go try something, fail, let, and it's going to be okay and build up some of that resiliency. Uh, but this fear of failure, thinking you have to do it right and thinking everybody's got to approve of it is a recipe for, um, for, for anxiety. And I've been there. Maybe that builds on itself too. Oh yeah. You feel like, I have to do it right. And then you also start feel like everybody's watching. Yeah. Which they're not. Which they're not. No one cares about you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Somebody said, I don't watch Dr. Phil, but someone said, Dr. Phil once said, you know, you would, yeah, you wouldn't care so much what people thought of you if you realize how little they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've noticed that too. I've had that mind reading thought, thought somebody was thinking something about me made up a whole script in my head about what mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. and then found out like, no, they were just having a bad day. They it had yeah. nothing to do with me at all. Right. Yeah. Right. right. But I think that just goes back to, we're so self-focused. We think everything is about us. Every event is having, and, and because we're a selfie generation, you know, we, we, we live through our, we're all trying to build our own platforms and our own you know mm-hmm. all that and and again maybe it's not your friends but they still swim in those same waters you know even if they're not on facebook or instagram or whatever snapchat all the time they're still swimming in the, those same waters so i think go do something that matters and see some value in what you do mm-hmm. don't over parent yeah hug, hug your child once or twice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm thinking about that you know with our little kids you know like well, not not little anymore. As your shows, they're not little anymore. They still seem as little. You know, letting dropping our kids off at places and letting them be there at the mall, at the you know, letting them try things mm. and failing, letting them uh, put things together in the you know, build things in the house and 
you know, fix up their own room and do some of these things. And I'm not doing a great job of it, but I think, yeah, letting them fail and not trying to rescue them all the time. It's a big deal. I wonder too, though, you know, cause our kids are about the same yeah. age. I think sometimes it's just kind of easier to do it yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think right. we're, you know, we're busy. People are busier now than they have been, you right. know, in the past. And, you know, and the, the kids activities are more frequent and more, you know, mm-hmm. just abundant. And so I think sometimes, you know, when we talk about like trying and failing, you know, mm-hmm. allowing the kids to do that. I agree. I think they should, but it's also like, Oh, that's going to cost me more time. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we're just busy. Right. So it's easier to just do it. Right. You know, ourselves. Right. <laughs> and then I think that the goal then like, all right, why am I parenting? Cause I want them to grow and to, and to learn skills and it's not about just efficiency right now. Right. And not about me. So I don't know. I think kind of put it all under the, I do think the way of looking at life through a biblical worldview that God created this world, he's created us with skills and he, and it's going to be a hard world. We're going to fail. Um, but, but letting people, also realizing that life is best when we're making it about others when we're serving others mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. gets worse when we think more about ourselves it just does um i was just reading something yesterday about journaling you know like for a while everybody said journal this is going to help your emotional health you should all everybody should be journaling and a, a psychiatrist came out and said well sometimes journaling makes you more neurotic even more you know like you think even more about like in your internal dialogue and you know what mm-hmm. <laughs> If it's going to help you fix problems, like make it fix problems. Don't make it all about you, you know? So I have one other idea to talk about that I'm that I'm excited about. I think it's kind of the same idea, and I think I was telling you about this, Annie. I'm f- My favorite book right now is Here on a Mission by Donald Miller. Uh, it's so good. I've been following this guy for a while. But he talks about in every story there are four characters. There are There is a victim a villain, a hero, and a guide. So you think about Star Wars and there's a, there's victims and there's the mm-hmm. villain, Darth Vader, and there's the hero, Luke Skywalker, and there's the guide, Obi-Wan or Yoda. Mm-hmm. And same thing in Harry Potter. You know, the victim is, is Malfoy and the villain is Voldemort and the heroes are Harry, Ron, and, and Hermione, and then and the guides are Dumbledore and, and um, Hagrid. Yeah. And, and so, and he says in this book, he says, a victim is somebody who is hopeless, doesn't see any hope in the future, and, and thinks everyone's against them and they can't change and, and nothing. Eeyore, Eeyore, basically. Oh. <laughs> we were talking about Eeyore yesterday. <laughs> Don't get me started. And, and a villain is somebody who makes people small uh, and uses power to make other people small. A hero is a, is a victim in transition, uh, is somebody who sees their problems and is overcoming them. And is 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 going to do the hard thing. And a guide is somebody who's been a hero and now wants to help a hero and and make them great. And I've been thinking, I've been using this a lot with our kids when they're saying, "Oh, you know, my sister did this, or my brother did this, or you know, the teacher did this." You're being a victim right now, and a victim never wins. Mm-hmm. And then victims, if you keep playing the victim card, you're going to turn into the villain. That's how every storyline, every movie, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I feel like that's just such a powerful framework. He's got other things in the book that are so powerful, I think. But to ask yourself every day, am I playing the victim? 
am I playing a villain where I'm where I'm actually so mad about everything uh, and everybody's done me wrong? I'm gonna try to make other people small and ho- hope everybody else fails like I'm failing. Am I gonna be a hero? I'm gonna face challenging things and set out and and overcome them, or am I gonna be a guide where it's um, how many people can I help uh, accomplish their goals? And I think that that's so that's been I think that could really help people when they're in this anxious position. Um, am I just hopeless? I can't see any hope in the future. I'm so self-focused. I, I, I can't overcome. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I've done a lot of talking. Yeah. That's okay. It's good stuff. Anything else? No, I'm good. You have I'm any, good. Anything you're mad about, Matt? Tortilla chips or... Uh, Movie subtitles. Oh, oh all right. Oh, That's so quick. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is one that drives me nuts because I have several friends where it's like, oh, I can't hear can you turn on the subtitles? It's like, maybe you can't hear because you're talking (laughs) or just turn up the volume. Now wait, but don't you ever find that the like volume ratio of like the, the speaking is sometimes, um, you know, significantly, significantly quieter than like, Uh you know, and it's like, are you ever adjusting the volume to accommodate the loud sound effects? No, that's no. always the case. It's supposed to be that way. You want like loud, dramatic things to be loud disruptive. and dramatic. It is disruptive. About, it's supposed to disrupt your life. It's entertainment. What about, what about accents? Because this is why I love subtitles. Because oh, sometimes Lord. these fools, sometimes accents, the accents and the and the, the the language sometimes is different. Mm-hmm. You know, even when they're speaking English, there's different. You know. Yeah. And so it's nice to have. The subtitles are you the friend that forces subtitles on his movies (laughs) not yet (laughs) so why does this make you so mad because it it, it gets in the way it okay first of all it's extremely distracting because my eyes are automatically going to go to the bright white text at the bottom i'd agree with that it's like it's an audio visual experience and you're going to make me read it's like it's like the reason i'm watching the movie is that i don't want to read the book (laughs) like don't put words at the bottom because you're and you're there's there's an actor trying to make a yes. performance up there. Yeah. I'm watching because because there's words, but then there's also all of the the other kind of visual cues that they're giving. Like they put a lot of work into this, and it's like I could have just printed off the script and read it. Yeah, I'm watching the performance and the direction and everything. Yeah, right. If I it's in that. a different language or if it's in a made up language, that's fine because then I literally can't get anything from what you're saying. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just like, I can't hear. Turn on the subtitles. It's like, that's not my problem. You know, turn up the volume. Do you or have turn down more? your volume. Do you, do, you, do you still have friends? Or how does that work out? <laughs> do you win that argument? or If it's my house, I win that argument. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, this is my TV. And, and, and it'll be like four to one. And I'm just like, I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's someone else's house and then I'm four to one, then I'm just like, all right, whatever. You know, also, if it's a movie, I don't like a lot of times we just watch stupid movies Mm because they're fun. Um, And then it's not as big of a deal. But if it's like if it's a good movie, it's like, don't don't ruin this. Don't ruin this. Everyone just put on your VR goggles and get your own separate experience with your own volume. Yeah. No, it's it's incredibly distracting. Just just look up the script on your phone and read along with it. That's what you want to do anyway. Awful. Do you feel better? Right now? No, because I know people are still going to do it. <laughs> I'm putting it out there because people need to know that people that are like-minded need to know that I'm standing up for them. That's good. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Fight the good fight, Matt. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Win your I will. battles. I will. 
All right. Until next time. It was good. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.